Welcome back to Just Browsing. Matthew, Zach, and our good friend Caleb today. And we're going to be talking to you about a new released movie. So spoiler alert, right off the rip. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, and with that, with a spoiler alert, I will say it's a pretty downer movie. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty downer yeah. experience. Um, so nothing like super exciting, but it's like something that we probably really didn't know about until we watched the movie. But it's a Martin Scorsese movie with mm-hmm. Leonardo and um, John. Why the fuck am I thinking John? Why did I think Robert John? De Niro? Robert De Niro. I was thinking fucking John for some reason. I thought I you were going John Lithgow. I mean, John Lithgow is yeah, in John. it. But I was like, that's a random. He's not no. like second build in the movie. Like, no, I I was starring John movie. Lithgow for twenty minutes. But it's it's a great movie. Um, just really, it's a really fucking long movie. Yes, and it's the most one of the most depressing movies I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Good job on the spoiler alert, because if anyone's tuning into this and you haven't seen it, right? It was just released pauses. last yeah, Thursday. It, it literally so just came out, so we're like, old. yeah, ju- just after opening weekend. But um, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, pause this episode, go check out the movie, come back, check this out later. Um, but yeah, the brand new Martin Scorsese movie that I think all of us were pretty excited about. I know I was. Um, I wanted to just start this. I off was till I was three like, hours and twenty five minutes into yeah. it, and then I was just kind of like, this shit <laughs> needs to fucking end already, man. It's so long. That's what I want. That's where I wanted to start. Is just like, what were your initial? Like, what are your initial thoughts? Because we just saw it just a couple days ago. Yeah. So like, have you been? It's been sitting with you for a couple days. What do you think? Yeah. No. Uh, thanks for having me on again, gentlemen. Um, yeah. A reoccurring yeah. guest. Yeah. No. It was I. So again, after having a couple days to think on it, in my opinion, I loved it. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Now. Well, dude, you can't say phenomenal. That's my word, all right? Oh, I've okay. been told I can't say it anymore. Sorry, sorry. It was you a- actually haven't been saying it as <laughs> much as you used to, but everything used to be phenomenal. But yeah, right this is a great fucking word. It's it, a phenomenal yeah. word. It, it, was a, it was a fantastic movie. Let's say that. Now, to what we were talking about, I know, Matt, you and I had mentioned it after the movie, that like typical Scorsese of just being super long, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. there could have been parts and bits and pieces of it that may have been condensed a little bit, but I think... I think it worked with the, the with the tone of the movie, right? Like with the, I guess with the whole, what the plot was, right? Mm-hmm. What the story was, how long it was, it made it make sense. Yeah. I think if it was any longer, we probably would have freaked out a little asleep. bit. We would have fallen asleep. But I think if it was any shorter, there could have been some really important details that were left out. So I think, yeah. in my opinion, I thought it was a great movie. I thought... <laughs> the storytelling was really strong, um, and obviously the acting was top notch. I mean, you had some really high level names in there. Oh yeah. Um, but no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Matt, what do you think? I o- mean, other it, than the length, other than the length. I mean, the length is a big thing, though. Like, yeah, it's you've got to like when you look at a movie and you go, "Shit, this is three and a half hours," and you're like, "Is this an extended cut?" And they're like, "No, this is just yeah. like." The baseline movie. I'm like, the length is too long to me. But like Caleb said, there's certain details in there where I think they kind of drew it out too long, in my opinion, on it. Like, and again, spoiler alert, so we're going to be giving away a bunch of shit. But when he's poisoning his wife, they kept showing that. And it's like, we get it. Like, show it once, maybe show it twice. But it's like they continuously, like, repeated certain things. And I'm like, 
those are things, in my opinion, you could probably take out to shorten it, you know, probably 20 minutes if you take out some of those scenes. But like Caleb said, it builds up and shows, like, the true depth of how this story went and how, like, real life it was. And But, I mean, yeah, it was a great movie. It's just the length can kind of draw you, draw you out of the movie. Like, Oppenheimer, we were all, like, on the edge of our seats, like fuck and then this is kind of like holy shit this is like depressing and you're kind of like i want this to end because it's depressing but you're like fuck there's so many more details that we still don't know yeah after yeah. three and a half hours of a <clears throat> fucking movie mm-hmm. so i think the length has been something that a lot of people have brought up because i mean three and a half hours is a very long movie i i think and it's not an action-packed movie either it's no, not it's like not. there's like it's crazy because i was telling my parents and my mom was like do you think i would like it and i was like absolutely not Oh, I'm she like, needs a more, a little more up-tempo storytelling. Um, I just don't think she would get into it, and okay. I think she'd definitely fall asleep. But I'm yeah. like, it's a very deep. It's not. I wouldn't call it emotional. I mean, it's definitely. If you take a step back and you go, "Holy shit!" Like, this is crazy. That this actually happened. You're like, "Wow!" Like, fuck. But it's not like I don't know. It's hard to get into if you're not interested in it. Right. Like right. it's kind of like Oppenheimer, where some people you looked yes. at and they were just like not into it. This is harder to get into than Oppenheimer. Yeah, I think like, you're probably right. Yeah, like I love Chris, but if we took Chris to this movie, bro, he, he would have checked sober. out. Yeah, and yeah. been eight eight fucking bags of popcorn <laughs> by yeah. hour. He would have been back and forth to the concession stand. But it's a lot, just probably. like you know, he's in for that up tempo. Like, right, right, right. But this is like, you don't want to miss something, but at the same time, you're like fucking just get over. Like, yeah, move on to the next piece of the story, and it's just the same depressing thing. All the way through. Yeah. And then they get to the very end and they like, you know, I'm like, ooh, we're going to get like this big climax. And they, they fucking like wrap it up super quick and they make it a true crime fucking So save your thoughts show. on that because I want to talk about the ending, but I want to get, I want to save that for a little bit later because that's one of the most clever endings to a movie I've ever seen. I, right. I, I it's one it. of the most clever ever, but it's like, I kind of felt like I got punched in the gut, like Game of Thrones season eight type ending. Yeah. Like... You just built up a three and a half hour long story, which could obviously go a lot longer, to wrap it up in, I would say, less than five minutes of an ending to what everything just happened. Like, we skipped what should have been a bigger part, in my opinion, of what happened after everything. Like, we skipped so much between where the movie jumped to the conclusion to when they were reading off the conclusion, like, what the fuck happened in there? We don't... Yeah. Like, they skipped so much that it's like... That's where I think if you maybe change the way that it was... They pieced it together, we would have gotten a more complete story. Like, we, we found out certain things, but it's like... That so, would have been more important to me. Regarding the length, what I was going to say is, like, I think three and a half hours is probably the longest you can make a theatrically released movie and still, like hold people's attention. And really, even then, you're you're really stretching you're it. You're on the and, edge. And only people like Martin Scorsese or Christopher Nolan can do that. And, I mean, shit, we were talking about how long Oppenheimer was as a movie, and it's a half hour shorter than Killers of the Flower Moon. And I felt like if you were not interested in the history and really interested in the characters that are being told in that Oppenheimer story, that last hour is going to lose a lot of people because it's like... 
post Trinity test, and I was right. kind of like, well, I came here to. A lot of people probably like went into that movie to see the fucking bomb, and then right. they're like, well, what's all this? Now it's a courtroom drama. What are we doing? So one thing I was going to say that you kind of brought up was like, this movie's not for everyone, and Oppenheimer's not for everyone. I think Oppenheimer probably appeals to a more broad audience than. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon does, but this is one of those stories that like Oppenheimer's the three, depressing the three in its of own us way. are like, yeah, absolutely. The three of us are all interested in these historical events and historical characters. We love that kind of stuff. We're interested in it. I went and read American Prometheus, the Oppenheimer biography after seeing the movie. You're currently reading Killers of the Flower Moon right now. Like clearly we have an interest in this. Right. Not all of the broad movie-going public in America is going to have the same level of interest, so getting them to go see a three-and-a-half-hour movie is going to be a bit of a stretch. However, that being said, uh, I heard someone phrase it this way earlier. Like, if listen, if you're like a true movie fan, if you love Martin Scorsese, and your complaint about the movie is like, oh, it's too long, he was basically like, well... What would you rather have? No Martin Scorsese? Like that's this is the greatest, arguably the greatest living American filmmaker. And he makes long movies. Right. I mean, I'm gonna take it. If he wants to make if he wants to release nothing but four hour movies from here until he dies, I'll see all of them, probably. Yeah. It's fucking Martin Scorsese. The guy's a master. So I think the the plus here's another thing too. The um this is an Apple original, like an Apple produced film. It's going to be available on Apple TV Plus. So if you really don't want to sit in the theaters for a three and a half hour long movie, just wait till it comes out on Apple TV Plus. You can pause it. That's what I did with The Irishman. Irishman was a direct to Netflix release. It got like a limited theatrical release to be eligible. That was for the kind Oscars of the same shit. That, where it's, it's like, like not super Irishman's heavy action, long but it's as like a too. fucking deep story. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So, but let's be real. Th- those are my mafia. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of The Irishman. We'll, we'll get to that later too. Um. So that being said, those are my only comments on the length. It, but people who haven't seen it, you should be well aware that it is a three and a half hour long movie. Like, don't go into this thinking it's going to be like a quick hour and a half, hour and forty. And it's not action packed. And yeah, not it's a not an action driven. You're not it seeing is, a Transformers movie. It's way different storytelling. It's literally so, like an hour by hour, like yeah. lifetime cycle of this entire relationship that yes. evolves. And also. Us giving a spoiler warning is important for people who haven't seen the movie, but it's also based on historical events. So, I mean, like, you could literally look at look it up right. on Wikipedia and spoil it for yourself. So, it feels it, sometimes it feels weird giving, like, a spoiler alert for movies that are based on things that already happened because it's like, well, you can just look at the internet but we're not, and know what you're talking about. But we're not, like, 100% historical geniuses when it comes to this. So, we're going to base right, a lot right, of right. this conversation around the movie. Absolutely. And then yeah. we can make, like... We might be able to chime in left and right from, yeah. you know. Well, and this guy's our, he's our resident expert because he's in the middle of reading the book right now. And I actually wanted to use that as kind of a jumping off point for the next bit of our conversation. Here's something that I heard, and you can attest yeah. to this because you're already halfway through the book. Yeah. There was a draft of the script written for this movie that was, I guess, I wouldn't say vastly different, but told from a different perspective. And it was a lot more from Molly's perspective, and it centered the FBI and their investigation of the murders a lot more than this version did. And then I guess, and originally, I guess Leo agreed to play um, the FBI agent character who comes in at the end. That was originally the part he was attached to. Interesting. And I guess they had some conversations about it, and he was like, I think we need to maybe tell this from a different angle they kind of rewrote things and told it more from the perspective of Leo's character that he plays in the movie, Ernest Burkhart. Mm-hmm. And it, 
the movie then takes a different shift in perspective than kind of how you get in the book. Is that this is just what I've heard? Is that kind of your been your experience so far reading the book? Yeah. So I, yeah, I I would agree with that statement. I think w- w- one thing that I wanted to bring to the conversation is yes, obviously I'm I'm about I'm a little over halfway through the book, and what I've noted from like just watching the movie this weekend and from where I'm at in the book is kind of what Matt said. They kind of do like an hour by hour. So again, full spoiler alert in the book, they break the book down into three parts. Okay. So like there's like a hundred pages of part one, a hundred pages of part two, and then a hundred pages of part three. And after watching the movie, you can kind of relate each part to the first hour to hour and 15 minutes in the movie. Okay. So like, I don't want to give too much away because I know you still want to read the book, but what I've gathered from, because I, I finished the first part and I'm a little bit into the second part. Okay. The first part in the first hour of the movie match up very well. Okay. Um, just getting to know who Molly Burkhart was, getting to know who Ernest was, getting to know who the <laughs> uncle was. Mm-hmm. You, you start to understand like how he came about and where Ernest came from and how Molly's family was obviously with Anna and um, I, uh, was it Millie? I think her daughter's or the sister's name was, there's I four so. sisters, yeah. Millie, Anna, Molly, and the other one. I honestly couldn't tell you all the but names. I there's forgot. so many people. Yeah. There, there's there's a lot of characters. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of character, but what one thing that I will say from where I'm at in the book is it, it's more of a narration point of view from where from what i've read okay there isn't so much of like a, it's more of like a kind of like what matt was saying earlier like a true detective type mm. story of like the first part of the book is like here's what happened here's who this character is and here's what this is who did the murders like it sets oh, you up of like okay. who who was it like yeah. everybody's yeah. trying to figure out who it is okay and then the second part is all about the FBI's perspective and what the FBI did. Okay. So like the very first chapter of the second part of the book is Tom White, who's the mm. FBI agent. Yeah, yeah. And like you could tell that in the movie. So like when the FBI comes knocking on Ernest's door mm-hmm. and is like, well, I'm here to, you know, figure out who's killing all these people, who all yeah. these killing all these Osage, right? That's like almost verbatim in the second part of the okay. book. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so it's it kind of does take that weird perspective shift of like the first part of the book and the first part of the movie is introducing who the main characters are, but then in the book it's like who did it? Like they yeah. they give a recap of all of these murders and how Anna died and this that and the other, but like we still don't know who it is. Yeah. And then the second part of the movie and so far of what I've read of the book is the FBI's perspective. Gotcha. That's okay. just kind of where, that's how I'm perceiving so, it. So for those of you that are kind of lost, if you haven't seen the movie and you're just going to listen because you don't want to watch a three and a half hour movie, this is about the white men are going into the Osage Nation, the Osage Indian Nation in the 1920s and marrying up all of the Osage women to get their oil rights. Mm-hmm. So... If you had no clue what we were talking about, yeah. that's that's what the background. <laughs> we probably of this, should have given a little bit of a setting of, of what the story is of about, like but. the deep or the whole story would be about. What the movie's about is one guy who goes and lives with his uncle off the rip, who is a uh, what a cook in World War One for the Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, meets 
Molly is he is a taxi driver and then marries her and then you kind of see the whole game plan from his uncle to mm-hmm. he's kind of the driver of the whole whites buying up all of the oil rights from the uh, Osage Indians yes. in the area and the Osage Indians are catching on to that going our blood is being diluted with the white man because they're coming in here and marrying all of our women mm-hmm. and that's right the murders come in the women are being murdered the men are being murdered because then it makes the woman a uh, widow mm-hmm. and then a white man can marry and then it's all about then they'll kill the kids and like so it's a really deep dark like yes story but i just wanted to give a background because that is, people that is are probably sitting context, here going yeah. what the fuck is this about yeah right. yeah so so they, that's they set the scene too and maybe they explain more of this in the book too but just what i gathered from the movie was like this the osage indian tribe had this land that they had basically they had been forced off of land elsewhere they mm-hmm. they moved to this land in Oklahoma and it has oil on it and they become they, I think they said something about like they're the richest citizens per capita in the entire United States or something the like entire that entire world like, entire right. world entire like world it, at the time obscenely obscenely wealthy yeah but because of the relationship with the federal government in the United States and the relationship between the United States and indigenous peoples in the 1920s, these Osage who owned the mineral rights for this oil on this land had very little or strenuous access to their money and sort of needed... They had white, to have a sponsor. Yeah, white mm-hmm. sponsors to allow them to, like, honestly, like... Access their money. Have access their money. to their money, and they would, like, kind of audit the Osage and, and keep tabs on what they were buying. And there's a scene at the beginning where it might be one of Molly's sisters, or maybe it's Molly is sitting with her, like, banker, if you will, or whoever's, whoever's kind of, like, allowing her right. to have access to her money. And he's saying, like, well... Says here your mom spent like three hundred dollars on meat. Like, is that really? And right. he's basically like grilling her about like how she's spending her money, and she's kind of having to justify like yeah the reason for her spending her own money, which is so right. they right. set the scene immediately of like okay, and he denies it. Yeah, here's the situation, and here's why the Osage. It's this like double edged sword. The Osage simultaneously kind of need especially the women need a white man to come in and be their benefactor and allow them to have access to their money. Mm -hmm. And these white men on the same side of the token are like, I want some access to that fucking oil money. Right. Which is Ernest Burkhart and his uncle's whole thing. And I wanted to ask you guys about, so the performances. (coughs) So one thing you can always expect out of a Scorsese movie is not only this is going to be directed really well, but you're going to always have awesome fucking performances. Like, He's just known for that. He's worked with some of the greatest actors of all time. In fact, Leo and Robert De Niro have both worked with him numerous times. I think uh, De Niro and Scorsese have done 10 movies together. Oh, wow. Leo and Scorsese have done like six movies together. Like He clearly, they all have a great working relationship, and he gets fantastic fucking performances out of those lead guys and really any lead character in his movie. I thought the Leo performance and the De Niro performance were fucking amazing. Both of them. I agree. I thought Lily Gladstone as Molly was really good, and everyone is really like applauding her performance. And I, I think she does do a good job in the movie, but I'm a little bit like she doesn't have a ton to do. Mm-hmm. Like, would you agree with that? She's kind of just a lot of the time she spends a lot of the movie just kind of sitting there being very sad and sulking and like it's a very reserved, right. quiet performance. And well, compared to like 
Leo and De Niro, she doesn't have as many scenes to like show off. But but you have to you think know, of like, like chew on the material. A you have to bit. think of why though. Like think of how the story is being told in the movie. It's being told from Erna's point of view, right? Yeah. It's from him and his uncle. They're the two drivers mm-hmm. in this. Sorry. She's sitting there. Okay, sister one got killed. Shortly after that, sister two got killed. Shortly after that, sister three got killed. It's a fucking brutal, or what mom died, then sister three got killed. Like yeah. She's sitting there, and then she starts to realize because then she she's diabetic. So then they start, you know, this is the 1920s. They said what five people in the entire world were getting insulin treatments. Insulin is brand new to the world. Yeah. Well, he's poisoning the insulin, then giving it to her. So then she's like super drugged up on. I think they said it was heroin. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. So they were giving her insulin with heroin, just poisoning her. So she really has no like. That's where, when I said at the beginning, if we we skip to this ending where we find out a bunch more, I wanted to know what happened between where like the the movie story left off to the very ending part because mm-hmm. that's where she would have shined when they got a divorce and went through yeah. all of that. That's yeah. where her story would have shined more. But right now she's just being told what to do. She married a white man, like, and the story's through him and his uncle, and they're the ones that are running the whole town, and you know. They want someone dead. They that person shows up dead. Mm-hmm. Like, so I get why she, like she didn't really have a chance because the way the story is told makes it to where it's like Leo and Robert De Niro are just they just have they're, they're like their only in, yeah. In the I scenes, mean, yeah. out of the three and a half hours of screen time, I would almost say she has more screen time yeah than Robert De Niro at least. Mm-hmm. But the screen time is her being injected and in poisoned, and she's not even like functioning. Right. Right. So it's like. I feel like that's where, like I said, the whole when the movie ends to where they're at the on the stage doing the show at the very end, that's where she would have shined. But we didn't get any of that because we got the yeah. whole like setup to right. to that part. What yeah. did you think of? I thought it was really interesting the way that Leo portrayed the Ernest Burkhart character and the dynamic and the difference between him and his uncle, William King Hale, like it's pretty readily apparent from the get go. And it becomes more apparent as the movie goes on that William Hale, the uncle played by De Niro is a very sinister and very smart sort of puppet master who has ingrained himself in this Osage culture. He even speaks the language Mm -hmm. and he has like presented himself as this like, Unofficial mayor friend. and like benefactor and friend to the Osage right. while simultaneously murdering them and stealing all of their money and mineral rights. And then Ernest Burkhart's character, played by Leo, is kind of just an idiot. And yeah. he's he's being manipulated by his uncle and other forces to basically do things that he may or may not have done on his own. And I think one of the interesting thematic like questions that the movie asks is like is Ernest Burkhart truly evil or was he just like an idiot criminal who just liked money and women who was being manipulated and right did he really love his wife because they portray it as him and Molly do have this connection and they do seem like they love each other but simultaneously he's going behind her back and 
personally facilitating the murders of her family members. Right, right. So it's like it makes you ask this question of like, how the fuck can someone do that right. to their wife? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think they said in the movie, and I could miss, I've misheard it. That was a long day. Um, but one of them was like, are, aren't, you're so stupid that they made you a cook. Like, they wouldn't even yeah. let you go fight in World War One. You were a cook. Mm-hmm. Like, you served actual heroes. They were, And so I pretty much got that, that, yeah, he's a little low on the IQ spectrum. But it doesn't matter how smart or dumb you might be. You know right from wrong. Right. And you, you, know, right. you know good from evil. <clears throat> and I think he was truly torn of what he was doing. Like, I think he had regrets, but he still did it. Right. But then at the same right. time, that's also the time frame where your family's your family, right? He's your uncle. He's your uncle by blood. She's not your wife by blood. She's your wife by your choice. And so it was, you know, he's in the, he's in the family business, and if he, he gets out, I think he saw, too, he would die. So it's like, I don't know, if you commit an act of evil... Like, you're just an evil person. And, and you knew what you were doing. There's none of this, like, well, he was just stupid. It's like, well, he might have been stupid. Yeah. But he at least but he's knew also doing that evil shit. Right. Like, he, he knows poisoning his wife is wrong. He's seeing her not be healthy. He saw her being healthy when she was on just the insulin mm-hmm. to when he started mixing in the heroin. And he saw the change. But he played it off like, oh, it's just the insulin. Like and then all anything, of a sudden yeah. it'll right. come back. And then he quit poisoning her. She went to the hospital and the FBI Long got there. Behold, she gets better. And she's fucking fine and it's yeah. like you know right from wrong and he realized it too late though after he'd already been arrested right but it's like yeah yeah i think he's stupid don't get me wrong yeah. but he knows right from wrong he knew what he was doing was fucked up and yeah. wrong but he he let his uncle control him in the sense of well if i don't do what my uncle says i'm gonna get in trouble and you know yeah he's definitely under the thumb of his uncle, just like everyone else in that town is. And De Niro's performance of William Hale is like so quiet and like calm, but very menacing and right. like sinister because he he appears as this just like frail old man in his suit with his little glasses and everything. But like the way in all these like little quiet conversations, he'll have these moments where he'll like say things and then he's kind of just like, He's like staring at Ernest and like evaluating him, and, and there's like these very like sinister undertones to the things that he's saying, and then he'll also like rope Ernest into doing things that you know maybe Ernest wouldn't have been doing on his own because you know they they show a little bit at the beginning of the movie of like Ernest is like when he first moves into town, he's like stealing jewelry from the like the actual graves he's like a of grave dead, robber. dead he's a grave robber and they're taking him and his gang of buddies are taking the jewels selling them and going and gambling and drinking all night and stuff like <coughs> fucked up but like shit that petty criminals do and right. have done for a very long time nothing like really sinister and then he starts working for his uncle and his uncle starts kind of like putting in his head hey you should be doing this and kind of from the get-go almost sets him up with Molly as this mm-hmm. long play of like, you know, maybe they'll eventually both get married and then now Ernest has her mineralized, yada, yada. And then that's when he starts getting roped into the more serious crimes right. as it goes along. Well, I was going to say like going back to just the character development. and I mean, obviously like reading the book, I think he does a – like both of them had phenomenal performances. I think Leo just – how well he can execute certain roles like that is so great, unbelievable. Dude. And then as far as Leo goes – or um, sorry, Robert De Niro goes, 
I think he portrayed William Hale really well. And like what you were saying, you could tell like at the beginning of the movie and in the beginning of the book, he's he is cut out to be like this, you know, this super frail old man who just loves everybody, who everybody trusts, you know. He's a part-time <coughs> sheriff on the side, you know, he's like all this. But then you notice like there's like a turning point when the FBI shows up. He starts to get more... Um, it's just how every organized crime boss is. Right. He he just starts to become more vocal and he starts to become more mean, like demeaning, right? And he's like, this needs to be done now, you yeah, know? And it's yeah. it's not like, uh, hey, you need to do this. It's, okay, we got to get shit done, dude. Yeah, and if yeah. it doesn't work, then, you know, he's uh-huh. like, I remember a scene in the movie where he was just yelling at, um, at uh, Ernest, like, you need to get those rights like you need yeah, to do whatever yeah, yeah. it takes to get those rights and if you don't it was also in that part when um like he told i can a b something to go blow up the house yeah and he was like you didn't call him and you he's like no i did exactly what you told me to do yeah and he just he started getting really really agitated i think that's the word to use for william hill's performance or robert de niro's performances he did such a good job of starting out as like that loving character that you might think is the good guy in the beginning mm-hmm. to oh god like he is he is the devil like he's the he, devil yeah. he is the <laughs> devil in this he's, entire, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing and he is sure. very good at at doing that the whole way through yeah and I, one of the one of the interesting things that i've kind of read about and heard people talk about with this is like with the exception i think of william hale who seems to be pretty smart and kind of like sort of a mastermind in that town of of all of the sinister crime that's going on all of the other characters who are like committing these evil acts are pretty dumb and like mm-hmm. you would never look at one of those characters and be like that guy's going to set up his own like criminal right. you know enterprise and i think one of the points that the movie tries to drive home is like that's what's part of what's so fucked up about this story is that these guys committed these acts and the frustration as a viewer now or a reader reading about the story or learning about the story for the first time a hundred years later is like, how could no one see what was going on here? And I think that's kind of the point of like, mm-hmm. they knew they didn't have to try that hard to cover their tracks. They right. were just like, we're going to just come in here. We're going to marry up all these Osage women. We're going to slowly start killing them off. We'll blame it on disease or whatever. They they died at a young age on average anyway. Well, they whatever. staged all their suicides. Staged all they, their suicides. And they're like, mm-hmm. no one's going to come looking. No one gives a fuck. And for a really long time, that was true. Right. And so they were just like, we don't have to be smart. It's not like they were being intelligent about hiding their tracks. Mm-hmm. No one cared. No one was going to look. And so that's what the Osage, like the elder tribesmen and stuff, there's that scene where they're in the tent and they're like, we have to do something about this. We want to send someone to Washington. We need help from the outside. They were just at a certain point, they're like, we don't know what to do. We need right. help here. Clearly, there's a fucking problem. There's a sinister force at play in our in our town what do we do about it? We need outside help. And that's when, well, that's when things get really crazy is like they send that, that emissary basically to Washington mm-hmm. who gets fucking killed. Right. He's, but he's Washington. a, he's a white dude. And he's a white married man. to right. an Osage Indian. That's a good point to make. And also a private investigator gets hired and shows mm-hmm. up and he gets fucking killed. Yeah. In town. And it's like, so they try to make these attempts to like get help. Right. And William Hale and all his acolytes shut that shit down as quick as they well, can. Well, but you have to think too, he, when they're in that meeting, he goes, I'll put a thousand dollars on any. So he's, yep. he's making himself seem innocent by uh-huh. upping the ante. He's, yep. 
always asking questions, constantly trying to help. And then when they finally showed who killed the private investigator, you're like, yeah, he was just he's just running the whole show. Like he running truly is. Yep. And you got to think like you, if you got to if you take a step back from what we saw in the movie and you kind of just think they were also introducing alcohol and heavy amounts of it during prohibition to a bunch of oil wealthy, you know, Osage Indians. And they were using that to their advantage when, um, was Anna, the sister was so drunk that, and she opens her mouth a lot. So they said that was going to get her in trouble. That's like the party child sister, right? right. She's always at the party. Yeah. And so, um, Ernest's brother, who was his uncle's right hand man, takes him with another uh, gentleman, and they kill her in the forest. And like, while she's drunk, while she's yeah. drunk, and they tried to um, the guy he was hiring to kill. Um, I, I think his name's Bill, um, who's Kings, who is the Robert De Niro's character's nickname. Who's like his one of his best friends, who's oh, always coming right. over who's to the, the house. Osage guy, the right? Osage, yeah, 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 he's the Indian who's always coming over to the house and everything. Well, they hire um, Ernest is told to hire someone to kill him mm-hmm. because he's now like coming to the table with like certain things, and then you're like, well, why are you going to kill him? And then all of a sudden, it jumps to Hale at a um, insurance hearing, and he has an insurance policy yep. on him, so, so he needs up, him dude. to survive to X point in time before he kills himself to cash in on the insurance, mm-hmm. and then when he gets there. They have him murdered, but they want it to look like it's a suicide, so that he can so oh, that he can cash in Henry. Is Henry, the, Henry, yeah. not Bill. Bill. Yeah, Henry. Yeah, his Bill yeah. is uh, the the neighborhood house that got blown up. Yep. Okay, He's the okay. white guy that was married to her other sister. Right, 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 right. That they blew the house up. Yeah, I, I, I had Bill in my head, but yeah, One but yeah. So it's like you just watch it. And you're so like, fuck, dude, this right. is like like there's crime. Then there's crime bosses, and you're like, they're just the masterminds, right? They get people to work for money, go out and do shit, and they do all the dirty work, and they act like, oh, no, like, I didn't do anything, but they're always protected by a lawyer. Uh-huh. Dude, he fucking, I mean, he was everywhere. Right. That's why I think saying, like, character development, he did such a good job. I mean, even Scorsese or whoever wrote it, just they, they did such a good job of just giving him the out like i mean you even see that too like it took me like a couple minutes to process as the movie was getting closer to the end how he's tying up all of his loose ends Mm -hmm. like he's having one murderer kill another murderer because he's protecting his own ass like remember he tipped off that he tipped off the guy who blew up the house yes and he was like hey you somebody's out for you i think you should go get some gold and silver at this shop uh-huh. and then he calls this guy who, owns, guy the who shop, owns the shop yeah, and was yeah, like hey yeah, you're yeah, gonna get somebody that. steal from you tonight you should probably go wait and he organizes, and, and he the, whole organizes yep. the whole thing so like the guy who blew up the house walks up to the shop and he gets blown gets, with a shotgun yep, because yep. it's like he was able to cover loose ends of that yep just by manipulating right all of those, and, and the guy that kills him with people. the shotgun is just a shop owner protecting his property. Right. So, right, all, all of a sudden that, that loose end is closed. Yeah. yeah, right. And you're like, hey, he's dead anyways. Like, yeah. no one's gonna be able to speak of who told him to blow up that house. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that to me, I was like, that right there, that was the sinister part of me. Like that pure evil manipulation of like what you said. He's a true crime boss. Of yeah. like, I'm not getting my hands dirty. Right. Uh-huh. I'm gonna convince person A to go 
kill person B because person B did a bad thing for me. And then I'll have person C kill person A. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like and none whole, of it comes back to me. And exactly. none of it comes yeah. back to me. It's and just, to what I was saying a minute ago, that's what makes it so fucked up is like right. he also knew for a very long time. I mean, who knows how long he was in that town operating that way before yeah. Ernest shows up. He knew no one cared. No one was going to. He was basically the local law enforcement, or at least he was great friends with and probably financially supported the local law enforcement. They're mm-hmm. not going to do shit. They're not. If he right. says, don't look into this too hard, they're not going to look into it too hard. So right. really, right. until hey, it was the drunk guy that you saw four yeah, houses down yeah. who's always drunk. I right. saw him over there, and then they're going to go. go arrest him. There and, you go. Yeah. It, until the FBI shows up, they never had to worry about it. Right. And then the FBI shows up and starts actually doing some investigative work and they don't right. even really have to do much investigative work to start kind of peeling back the layers and be like, Oh shit. There's like a, I really do love, I, I would have been, it would have been curious to see how Leo portrayed the FBI agent character. If mm-hmm. that's who he ended up playing. And I'm sure if he would have played that part with the original script, there would have been much more of him in it as the FBI right. agent doing the investigating and all of that. Right. But I love the, I forget the dude's name. He's the guy who plays, uh, is it Todd in Breaking Bad? Who's like the, you know? Okay, so the guy who's the FBI agent in Killers of the Flower Moon, who comes and knocks on Ernest's door, he's also in Breaking Bad, and he works with like those white supremacist guys. He comes in in like season five or something. Do you know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about like, something. Plemons, Jesse Plemons, the actor, maybe is who I'm thinking of. He's he's anyway, in like Battleship. He's and, in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's great as a great as a character actor. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. Yeah. His ability to deliver these like dry, deadpan lines that are like dark and fucked up, but like simultaneously kind of funny because yeah. of the way he's delivering them. Like the first meeting where he like knocks on Ernest's door, Molly and on. Ernest is like, "Well, what do you what do you hear?" He's like, "Well, I you know the FBI sent me down from Washington to see about these murders." And Ernest's like, "We'll see what about him." And he's he's just kind of like real deadpan, total yeah. seriousness. He's like, "Well." to see who's doing them. <laughs> it's right. just like the funniest response to like, well, what right. are you going to see about just the murders? Like, well, dry to human. see who's doing them. That's kind of right. why I'm here. That's my well, job. Right. So speaking on that part though, it was at that moment that he knew Ernest had his hand in the, in the, yeah. the mm-hmm. honey pot because yeah. Ernest was not very, you, you could tell it's always when you get nervous, you uh-huh. have something to hide and he could yep. tell and he goes, well, I'd just like to speak to Molly. And he goes, he's like, why? And he's like, well, because her sisters have all been yeah. killed. Like her whole fucking, yeah. her whole fucking family's been killed. Yeah. Like her mom died, but, her three other sisters are all murdered. Yeah. Right. And so then he's like, well, no, she's she's sleeping right now. And he's yeah, like, yeah. he's doing everything he can to well, get him to go can away. Can I just yeah. go in and see her? And he's like, no, no, um, fr- Friday, Friday. Friday would be good. Friday, Friday. Come back he Friday. Goes, yeah. He's like, okay, we'll come back yeah. Friday. Yeah. I, lo- I also love another part that I really loved with him in it was he goes to that barbershop slash pool hall and mm-hmm. visits William Hale like while he's getting a shave. Yeah. And he's talking to him about all these murders and he's asking him questions. And William Hale's like, well, here's what I think happened. And he's like spinning this whole run of bullshit about how, oh, it's all explainable, yada, yada. <laughs> and he's kind of like, well, I mean, we're up to like 25 or 30 murders now. And he's like, William Hale says something of like, oh, you know, it's just been a real string of bad luck for the Osage. And he's just kind of like, seems more like an epidemic than a string of bad right. luck. You know, like 30 people getting murdered in a short time frame is not just bad luck. Yeah. He's like, come on, buddy. Something's going on here. Like, right. Yeah, and then he goes to walk away. He's like, "Sorry to interrupt your shave." Right, <laughs> just like right. casually walks away, and you're like, <sighs> "Yeah, I think he was a great character." I think, like I said, relating it back to the book, 
I guess from a whole generalized standpoint, and again, if you guys want to read it, I won't spoil too much, but what I can say, and I think I told you this at the theater too, from what I can, I was really curious to see if Scorsese is going to match it very well with the book. Mm-hmm. And from what I've read so far, it matches very well. Like Ooh, okay. it, it, it is very spot on from some of the scenes in the movie that relate to the book. Now, obviously there's a lot more in the book that, he didn't put in the movie, but there are definitely some takeaways from the movie that are like verbatim in the book. Yeah. So that's really good. And going back to like Tom White's character, he does. He describes Tom White as like that, you know, clean cut, you know, not fancy, but, you know, he's just, he's a very good question asker. Like he, yeah. he can come up with good questions and he, that's very, that's described very well in the book. Okay. And so seeing that, like visually watching that and seeing a performance done by by Jesse whatever his name is yeah i think it was done really well i think again yeah. it matched the description of how he was described in the book very well you know what's something just no emotions right yeah. i mean he comes yeah. in with that no emotions like you're not going to startle me right. with anything. You're not going to throw me off the scent. But, yeah. but like mm-hmm. you said, that good question, all I got to do is ask one good question to get you to kind of like be rattled and I'll yeah. know where I need to start looking. Yeah, right. I know where I need to start pushing harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I was going to bring up that I wanted to mention because it was something that I thought was really like striking about the way the movie was filmed was there's kind of this like slow like drum beat like a osage sort of native american kind of like drum beat in the in the score of the movie kind of in the background for like most of the movie but there's these moments where these murders will hap- will happen and the the sound and the score just like drops out completely like the one i'm thinking of in my head is when remind me again of the name of the sister the partier anna anna, anna. when anna gets taken down by that creek or whatever and killed she's like shot in the head the score and everything just drops out and all you're hearing are the sounds of what's happening in the scene. And it's just so abrupt and like anticlimactic and jarring that it's like, it's not glamorizing violence in any way, the way like some other Scorsese movies have in the past where like the, the violence and the kills from these gangsters are like almost glamorized in a way. Mm -hmm. This is just like, he's just cold blooded, putting it right in front of you and being like, this is just nasty, cold, fucked up murder and like i want you to feel this i want you to sit in this and see like look they just took this poor woman got her all drunk wandered her down by the fucking creek and then just shot her in the head and walked off and never thought about it again probably like that's Mm -hmm. who these fucking people are like i could be way off on this and it might be a completely different thing that i'm thinking about but i believe the drumbeat is the heart of the indian Oh, okay. So I believe that's why, like, you'll hear it, and then all of a sudden, when one it'll, of them dies, cut it just out. cuts out. Is because oh, okay. it's the death of that specific person. I think that's what it is. is Interesting. Like, okay. The the drum is is the heartbeat. I could be wrong. I like um, that. It I mean, seems yeah, like yeah, that's I, a I, good. I I, I, I remember that. reading that or and watching that on something. I could be wrong on who it's so. <clears throat> excuse me, who it's associated with, but I think that is what it is. Is that's, that's cool. That's, if that's that is true, I like that. And then. Yeah, when they die, I mean, it just because it, it happened yeah. for all of them. Right, all the murders of the Osage, it would happen like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when the a white guy got killed, it was just like, "You fucking asshole, stealing my right. jewelry!" And yeah. it's like, "Oh, he's dead." Right, yeah. like so, there was nothing there. I thought it was unique too. Again, like reading the book, you get more background of like where they came from, 
than in the movie. Obviously, you get the background of who Molly is and who Ernest is and who Hale is. Mm -hmm. But like in the book, you get a real true understanding of how the Osage came to power in like in their land. Um, And just some of the stuff that they had to do, like they had to travel. I won't give again. I won't give away too much. But like one thing that I think Scorsese missed on when describing like how they came to be was some of the things that they had to do back in like the 1800s before they got before they got to Oklahoma. Right. Or this was like, yeah, like basically they were in super, super rich part of Texas. That's what I was going to ask is where were they were first? Like Texas and and South. I think they also said, but they also said like some of the tribe were, they're like, yeah, we came here from Missouri. Yeah. I heard Missouri Missouri mentioned. And Arkansas. Yeah. Missouri was a big one. Like Missouri, Arkansas and, and, Texas and the then Osage they, is a Mississippi Valley right, um, tribe, right? And then they got pushed to another piece of land, and then the Louisiana Purchase happened, and then they got pushed even further, and then they got pushed a little bit more. But they were like these girls had to go to Catholic school because mm-hmm. of the white man for like eight months out of the year. Like they were only home for four months, and then they'd have to go. And like in the book, they describe. Wow. what it was like and this that and the other and then they described how like they were eating like they they all hunted buffalo and that was up around the time that like the united states went on that huge buffalo shortage as well mm-hmm. and they described in the book short, it was just they the just white slaughtered but, out yeah they, they just slaughtered them out indians to have food yeah. right but and that was the whole the whole thing right and then but what they described was is i thought it was just very interesting that like the Indian tribes would kill buffalo and use every single piece mm-hmm. of the buffalo. Like in the book, they describe it. Whereas like the white man would just kill it and leave it and yep. eat its meat and that's it. Yep. That I think, in my opinion, for as long of a movie as we got, I think that would have also been helpful to understand like who these Native Americans yeah. really were. But at the same time, it wasn't necessarily about them. Yeah. It was more so about the murders these and, murders that happened and, in the and 1920s happened. Yeah. So i think they kind of touch on that it's just in a completely like obscure way where they were like look look who's working and look who's not working and they're like all the yeah. white men are out here playing they're playing pool they're fucking driving around you know messing around they're not actually working and then they were like look who's actually doing stuff and it was usually the osage who were actually having to do like work and they were like look at like so I think they kind of like portray it. It's just in a yeah like flip of a so, way where they're like the white men came in, just take whatever the fuck they want, don't do anything, yeah. and we do everything, and we have to try and get everything. I'm glad you brought that part up about like the Osage and their background because th- I wanted to bring up the very beginning of the movie and how cool it was about. So the movie kind of opens with Ernest Burkhardt on this train and he's coming into town on a train, right, and then. They're like he's simultaneously cutting it with these like old timey film reel like educational reel things about like something that would have been shown in the 1920s to some students in another part of the country like here's who the Osage are and like here's how they got so rich and here's what they dress like and all this kind of stuff and then it's cutting back and forth between that and like Leo arriving on the train and walking through town and the opening parts of him getting off the train and walking into town is so crazy to watch because you're like everything that you see and everything that his character is seeing around him is these rich ass Osage wearing like super fancy clothing, all kinds of jewelry. And they're getting 
pampered and chauffeured around by white people, by white men. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they go to a store and the, they come out with all their bags and the white man will go grab all their bags and put it in the car and then drive them home and all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, it totally flips on your head the, the conventional idea that like that would be the opposite direction right. in any other story or any other movie, right? And you're like, okay, this Osage town is not like other mm-hmm. places. Like it's, and, and Ernest is kind of like, absorbing all of that as he's walking into town and um i wanted to bring up uh something that i heard too that i hadn't really thought about but the ending of the movie well not the ending part that i wanted to talk about but i do want to get that to that in a second but the part where they're going to go take molly and put her on the train so she can go to washington and talk to the president about the situation Mm mm-hmm so it's a a very interesting contrast to Ernest's perspective when he gets off the train in the first part of the movie. So Ernest gets off the train in the first part of the movie. He's one with the crowd. The camera's from his perspective. It's panning around. It's kind of like this kinetic, like frantic pace. You're seeing all this stuff. You're absorbing all this information about the culture and like power dynamics and all this kind of shit. There's like fights. Like he kind of walks into the middle of a fight and like has to kind of break it up and get out of it. And then the ending scene where he's walking Molly to the train and they're putting her on the train to go to Washington. It's from her perspective and she's just walking through this sea of white people and they're all just staring at her. Right. And they're staring at her with like the way vultures would as they're like circling a carcass or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just like clearly from her perspective, she's looking around and she's like, I am swimming I'm a fish in a sh- in a fish tank with a bunch of sharks right now. Right. You know what I mean? And they're all just staring at her like she's fucking food. Right. I love that like dynamic. And until someone had pointed that out, I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about mm-hmm. the the like the, contrast the, of the, the train, the two different perspectives at the train station. Interesting. It was great. Yeah, I didn't ever think of that. That's unique. I mean, if you think about it, back then the white man went anywhere they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. They were the. I mean, they were a plague. So By the way. Like, uh, Whoever was in charge of casting for this movie did a fantastic job of Mm -hmm. casting old, bitter, racist-looking white guys (laughs) in all of those roles. Everyone who is in that that position is tremendous. And actually, I just thought of another fucking great scene. One part that we kind of like haven't gotten into too much is like the... Once Ernest gets caught, basically, and arrested, and then it's like the him being interrogated and then putting on trial, and then will he or won't he testify against William Hale and all that kind of stuff, there's that super interesting scene where they bring him back to uh, William Hale's house like in the middle of the trial to ch- try and basically talk him out oh, of the testifying. entire house full and he of walks lawyers. In, yes. And, and he walks in and he's thinking it's only going to be like his uncle and yep. one, his brother maybe. And he walks into the room. And as soon as he does, the camera is from like what his perspective would be. And everyone in the room party. turns around and <laughs> stops talking and it's dead silent. And it's William Hale and all of the powerful people at at play in the in the lawyers, in, the sheriff, in the town, the lawyers, the, the doctors, sheriff, yeah. and they're all just looking at him like, "We're gonna get this idiot fucking kid to." Do you not want your right. uncle? Yes, to then, go to prison. <laughs> and there's right. that great interrogation scene with <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Shout out to Brendan Fraser. Ah. Uh, and they're basically like, you know, he's getting down, and that's where they really you play into how to dumb Ernest no. Burkhardt yeah. is. Is he's like. The FBI, they tortured you, didn't they? And he's like about to say, he's like, no, they didn't. He's like, yes, they did. And he's like, yeah, yeah, they did. And right. Like, Clearly, they're just like manipulating Rattling and fucking pressuring this guy. Yeah. But, and one of the things that's terrifying, too, is like, I don't know if you guys caught that, but like 
the same people that were in that room, some of the same ones are on the jury in the courtroom when he sits down on the right. witness stand. Well, Did you catch oh, that? I didn't Where know, he like I sits didn't down and he that. looks over and he immediately is like, oh, fuck. Like, they're, they're right. also, he sees some of them in the jury. They're also the same people that have been helping his uncle out the whole time. The two yes. doctors who are brothers yes. who have been questioned like, yeah, we don't know why we cut her entire body up. They're like, well, uh-huh. she was shot in the head, right? And they're like, yeah, we couldn't find the bullet. And they're that like, so you dismembered was, her? Yeah, right. And they're like, yeah, we didn't find the bullet. And they like walked away. Right. And then the sheriffs who are obviously on the payroll, like, it was everybody that was being paid off or paid during this mm-hmm. entire thing. And like you said, they're on the jury. But if you notice, the whole jury was just a bunch of white men mm-hmm. who guess who made them all rich. Yep, right. And then the gre- the best part about the whole interrogation, though, was how good the FBI guy set everything up. He goes, yeah. oh, you're telling me this? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, he did it. And he goes, well, let's see what he has to say. And he'd open the just door and then the that person in. would come yeah. in. My favorite was the guy that killed, um, <laughs> who was the... The Indian that was Hale's good friend. Henry. 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 Henry something. Yeah. He brings him in. He goes. I think I know which part you're about to say. So what? I get stuck with everything and you don't get anything? He's like, yep. <laughs> Pretty much. And he's like freaking out. And he's like, what the fuck is this, man? Like, well, and then when that guy, the one of the funniest lines in the whole thing, that same guy was like, basically like, if I tell you guys this, I might get like a reduced yeah. sentence or a deal pencil. or whatever. He goes. Boys, get your fucking pencils ready. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm about to spill all the fucking. Yeah, he's like, fuck right. these guys. And then I like at the very end though, like how um, Leo just is like, yeah, I fucked up. Like fuck my yeah. uncle, and he yeah. he walks by his uncle and he's like, fuck you. And he's like, I'm gonna save my marriage and be with my wife mm-hmm. and kids. And as soon as he says that, they're like. They got a divorce, and she remarried and lives happily ever after, and he moved to a fucking trailer park with his brother where they suck dick for a living and (laughs) fucking got drunk, and you're like, what the fuck happened? So talk about a fucking... I thought this is where the movie was going to end, was Uh that final scene with Molly and Ernest and then Tom White, the FBI agents, kind of standing In front of the cars in the field. No, 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 oh. not that one. In, oh. Right after the trial, and like he brings in Molly. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah, basically, yeah. Ernest has admitted to all this stuff, so he's oh, going to jail. Right, right. But it's like one last conversation between him and Molly, and Molly's basically like... Did you poison She's me like, or? what was in the shots? Yeah. And it's this moment Insulin. of like, you're watching it, and you're going, he has one last chance. Like, is he going to tell her the truth? Is he going to tell her the, the truth or not? And she's staring right into right. his soul, and she's like, what is he going to say? And he's like, his face is contorting, and he's like thinking sweating. for a while, sweating. And you're like, is he going to do the right thing here? And then he's just like, it, it was insulin. And she just stands up and, and walks, walks away, away, doesn't even say anything. And he just like, just looks over at Tom White like he's just dumb. He just doesn't right. know like what happened, kind of thing. Right. And Tom White is just like, dude, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Like you've already admitted that you were poisoning her. You might as well tell her what you were poisoning yes. her with, because yes. yeah. she's gonna leave you one way or the other more than likely. Mm-hmm. But being open and honest with her is gonna be the best way if you truly loved her. So going back to the whole thing of like him being stupid, yes, he's fucking stupid, but he knew what he was fucking doing. Yeah, hundred percent. And he did such a good job of playing it too. So good, like so talented. Did you guys notice one thing that I noticed like right from the get go? Is this like? This thing he does with like his eyebrow and his face to like make himself look dumb. Did you guys notice that? Like when he it was like one fr- eyebrow was always raised. One eyebrow yeah. was always raised, and he kind of had this like weird little frown. I can't do it really, but like he's the face that he puts on makes it look like he had like a Popeye jaw or yeah, right. like, a little Popeye. Yeah. That's a perfect description yep. of it. Where like if you saw that guy, you'd be like, that guy's probably not too bright. Like <laughs> right. that would just be your immediate assumption, right? Like 
the way he did that from the very beginning is like, oh, okay, this is like not a Leo part that you're mm-hmm. typically used to, right? Not like, a Wolf of Wall Street. It's not a Wolf of like, Wall this Street. Guy's character. Fucking smart. Yeah, yeah, and it's like one thing that's super interesting about a like Leo doing a role right like this is like he's one of the most handsome, famous movie stars in the history of Hollywood and one of the greatest actors of his generation. And he's choosing to do a role like this, which is so against type for him. Right. But I think that's what's so cool about this point in his career is he's like, I've done all of the roles. Like I've, yeah. I've had, I've been nominated for an Oscar multiple times. I've played vastly different characters, cops, criminals, wealthy people, poor people, yada, yada. I've played the heartthrob in Titanic. I've done all of it. Now what I want to do are like these more interesting, challenging Just parts. Super where fucked like, up character. Yeah, they're gonna give me like a fake set of teeth that look all fucked up, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. be wearing this face that makes me look dumb, and I'm gonna have this like thick southern accent you know and make me sound like a real fucking idiot and just do deplorable right. things like it's a very interesting part it for is. him i thought he was really 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 good in the yeah movie. i i would say this for i mean again i don't know like i don't i don't know awards very much but i could definitely see this movie being nominated for an oscar for sure in many 100%. categories it, it'll 100%. be nominated but yeah. it probably won't win there'll probably be like some silent film out there yeah, that'll mm-hmm. win and unfortunately like, really? i think you're right i was listening to another podcast earlier and they were like it's going to get a lot of nominations but it probably won't it's also right. going against oppenheimer yep. which was released like yeah. 3 weeks ago pretty yeah. much and it's like there's a lot of movies this year that are going to be fucking like barbie, right? <laughs> barbie <laughs> fucking barbie be dude. Up there. if i had to guess it'll get nominated for best picture scorsese will get nominated for best director Leo and Lily Gladstein or Gladstone, who plays Molly, mm-hmm. and De Niro might all get right. nominated. And then it'll get nominated for a bunch of the cool stuff, like, or the, uh, they call them below the line stuff, mm-hmm. like costume design, set design, all that kind of stuff, production design. So it'll probably get nominated for a bunch of that shit, but it'll probably be one of those things where, like, it won't win any of the big awards. It won't win Best Picture, Best Director, like, Top best three actor. are, and then yeah. you're like, what's the third movie? And they're yeah. like, an Asian film that no one's heard of. And you're <laughs> right like, now. what? And they're like, they win this reward every year. <laughs> and you're like, it beat out Oppenheimer yeah. and this. And they're like, yeah. That's a common complaint for people who really pay attention to the Oscars is like this kind of debate between, well, what is the Oscars really for? Is it to award like these super obscure sort of like real artsy movies or is it to award the movies that are more popular like an Oppenheimer or a Barbie that everyone saw and mm-hmm. everyone loved and also still have incredible talent on them. It should you know? be it's what like, people are talking about. A film festival and winning like a film festival award should be for that like super artsy that's what that should be about. And there's plenty about. of those and, already. Right. And, there, yeah. and there's a lot of big ones. Yeah. Like big, big ones. Yeah. Like an Oscar should be like I'm not talking about those movies, and I've never even heard of half of those movies because they're not even released here. Yeah. So why aren't we talking about an Oppenheimer or Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon? Like, and that's the thing that sucks is like, look, I pay attention to movies. I would say more than most people. <laughs> and there's a lot of times, almost every year, the I'll, I'll look at the list of nominees for Best Picture, and I'm like, I haven't seen. I think they nominate like ten movies. I'm like, I haven't seen like five or six of these. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck these movies are, or like. They're just kind of hard to get a hold of, and I'll see them a few months later, and I have to, you know, find some streamer that's showing it or whatever. Like, right. so it's it's kind of hard to get people excited about, you know, to Matt's point, to get excited about a movie that hardly anyone's seen, other than movie critics and people mm-hmm. in the industry. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. everyone fucking saw Oppenheimer, <laughs> like, right? And 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 that's I think to a lot of people's point, what some of the criticism comes from this Killers of the Flower Moon movie is like. There's a lot of barriers to entry to this. One, if you're not into historical 
dramas, you're not going to be interested in this. If you don't like Martin Scorsese movies, if you don't really have a stomach for violence, you're not going to be into this. If you don't want to sit through a three and a half hour long movie, you're not going to be into this. Right. You know, it's like there's a lot of variables that come in. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to barriers to entry for this. And I, I think when we did our Oppenheimer <coughs> podcast, that was one of the things that I thought was really astounding at how well Oppenheimer did at the box Everyone office. Everyone was astounded was like, on that. They were like, holy shit. It's a three hour long historical biopic about a guy who invented the atomic bomb and it made like almost a billion dollars like right. it, it did get a lot of help with the whole barbenheimer it, it did get thing. a lot of help right. with the barbie thing that's that's for sure but like that sort of movie never makes that kind of right money, unless it's a christopher nolan movie and it happens to come out you know about with, the atomic bomb and, stuff. Yeah. and there's a great like, cast and the yeah. story's just fucking you're like oh my god i gotta see I, i'm really as a movie fan this year i'm pretty stoked because Two of my top three directors both released a movie this year, Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese. So it's and like you fun. wasted mm-hmm. ten hours of your life watching say, both of them. Yeah. I spent six and a half hours watching two movies. Ah, we yeah. watched Oppenheimer twice, so you wasted true. ten we hours. Did <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. In the last three months, we have spent, spent ten hours at a movie yeah, theater for right. three watching, movies. Watching two movies. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, but like I said, I overall I thought it was a really good movie. I think it was a. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, before I forget about it, can we talk about that ending that you were bringing up at the yeah. beginning? That I wanted to get into that. So I thought, personally, that's one of the coolest, most unique endings to a movie I have ever seen. Because mm-hmm. in a normal historical drama like that, that part of the movie usually looks like this. Like there'll be the last frame... And then there's a title card and there's some text you have to read that says like, Ernest Burkhart went on to do X, Y, and Z. Here's what happened to Molly Burkhart, et cetera, et cetera. So, and so then there's like Molly just walking of, out of the the interrogation room because that's where it cut off pretty much. Right, exactly. So instead of her just walking out there and then, yeah, it being like a black screen with like you and said, the picture title cards, and, yeah, yeah. and whatever happened. And it's like, here's what this person looked like in real life. Right, yada, yada. Right. That's how that usually goes. Yeah. The fact that it cuts to this like radio live in front of an audience radio play on a stage seemingly sometime later you don't know like exactly mm-hmm. what true time crime period this is. yeah it's like a, it's like a show. true crime like live well, radio it, you know what it, you know what it really is it's like the early version of like a true crime podcast is what it right. essentially it's, is it's, it's a like talk show it's more or less a talk of an show. audience and yeah. they have like a band playing like you know, intense music when you're supposed to feel intense and yeah. sad music. When they you're have actors reading actors the scripts. Reading scripts and lines and pretending to be these characters. And then of the characters of the movie you just watched, and this guy is basically the host of the show is reading his notes and he's giving you right. what would usually show up on like that title card sequence. Mm-hmm. And you're going, oh, okay, that's a really clever way to do this. And you're getting, and he's just reading like, you know, here's what happened to Ernest Burkhart, yada, yada. Here's what happened later. And then Martin Scorsese himself comes walking up on stage and in a very like meta sort of way is basically looking right at the camera, like right at you, the audience, and being like, I'm just going to read Molly Burkhart's obituary. Mm-hmm. And he like reads it. And then the final line is just, there was no mention of the murders. Yeah. And then that's just it. And right. then it's this pan out shot and of said, the Osage. Where there is oil, movie. the white man will come. <laughs> right. And it's just like, I thought that ending was super powerful and super unique and something I had never seen. I've never seen that part of a historical movie done in that way before. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I, I loved it. I thought it was, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I thoroughly was a fan of that. I think it was somewhat comical 
for right? sure. And yeah. it was more of like, and like to what you just said, that last line, and there was no recollection of these murders. Yeah. It's like, how ignorant does the American white man have to be in history to just ignore something like this? And I think the way that he presented it with like that podcast or like that TV show esque vibe, it's like, this is so bad that like you like I had to make everybody get a kick out of it to really drive home how fucked up this really was yeah. in history, but nobody knew about it. Yeah, and just also be like the final endpoint is no one right. I mean, like, it is, about it. like it no is one, just no so, one made you remember it. Right. It's like so comical that this is such an important part of our history that nobody no one has, talks about nobody it, yeah. talks about it. Well but, but let's be real. In just the world view, very few countries like to admit their genocide that they have. Well, that's right. Yeah. That is I true. mean, it's just one of those things you're like, like people are always like America and slavery and, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, we're over that. We, we get it. That whole time period was fucked up. But you like bring up like Korea and slavery and apparently Korea was the worst when it comes to true slavery and no one wants to talk about it. I'm like, no shit. No one wants to talk about it. It's not a time where we're like, we need to admit that it happened and, you know, we need to learn about it, but it's like people are going to be like, let's shove this under the rug because one, a bunch of white men in a point in time got super wealthy off of oil from a group of people, which we were trying to get rid of anyways. So should we care about this? Yeah. The moral thing would be, yeah. But at the end of the day, we don't. And I'm just talking in like the 1920s time. I'm not talking now. No, we don't. That was the general. It doesn't vibe, have an yeah. impact on us. Now we can move further west, mm-hmm. and of course that goes back to when we expanded all the way to California and everything. But it's like that was just the general thought: is we don't need to care about this. And you know, obviously times evolve, history changes and moves, and you know things grow. But I mean, yeah, we got we got to admit to it. But at the same time, it was a jury of all white men. Did they convict him? Did they not? Like, yeah, it said they got convicted and everything. And he spent uh, his uncle spent, I think, the rest of his life in a penitentiary. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what did he get convicted of? Laundering money? Like, they if there's no recollection of the murders or anything like that that happened, what did his uncle get convicted of? Yeah, one thing that I thought was very interesting, and, and I wanted to ask you guys this sort of like once we kind of wrapped up the conversation, but. If you've seen a lot of Martin Scorsese movies, one thing there are certain like thematic things that he likes to explore with his movies. And this is something that I find interesting in watching like any of my favorite directors. Like we've talked about this before where Christopher Nolan, a theme of his that he seems to be obsessed with and comes back to time and time again is time. Right. He's obsessed with it. Every story he makes has some sort of very important plot point around time or it's exploring a thematic resonance of time something to that effect he's clearly obsessed with it martin scorsese has been making movies for like 50 years he says fuck time we're going four hours he's well yeah (laughs) he's very obsessed with exploring like masculinity religion and the study of like america and capitalism and like what it means to be in America and try and make money. And he's told it from so many different perspectives and a lot of the times from a criminal perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's either been glamorized in certain instances or 
shown as a very like somber sort of end of life depressing sort of way. So his next but movie like, is going to be about a president because they're all <laughs> fucking criminals. So this movie was like an interesting culmination of a lot of those themes that right. he's been dealing with in kind of like returning to a lot over the course of his career. And it's interesting to kind of look at early, I don't know how many early Scorsese movies you guys have watched, but there's like early period Scorsese, mid period Scorsese. Now this is kind of like, he's 81 years old. In mm -hmm. fact, I just read this interview recently where he was kind of talking like, this is not his final movie, but he's probably only going to release one or two more movies before he dies. There's yeah. just, it takes so long. I mean, he was working on this movie for like four years or something like that. You're 81 years old. You only got so much time <laughs> Let's left. Let's shoot for one more. Yeah, it's like, we'd be, I would be stoked if we get a, one more Scorsese mm -hmm. movie. That's like, that's like this. It's like yeah. a fucking masterpiece. Right. So it's interesting to watch like the change in like thematic style and the way a lot of the movies are shot from when he's a young guy on coke in New York in the fucking 70s making movies with Robert De Niro all the way through to like, oh, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm exploring my thoughts about religion and all these sorts of things to now he's like, I'm coming towards the end of my life and now here are the things that I'm interested in. Here are the stories I'm interested in telling. And it's like, mm. it's very interesting to look at, you know, why would a guy who's in his late 70s, early 80s spend so much time on a story like this? It's interesting to try and put yourself in his shoes of like, what does he find so fascinating about this story, the right. killers of the flower moon. And why does he want to spend four years of his precious remaining years making a movie about this? Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting thing for a guy who is arguably the greatest living American director. director. You know, it's I, how many Scorsese movies have you guys seen? Have you seen like a lot or would you say just a handful or what? Let me look up. Cause I wanted to kind of ask you guys like what your kind of top, four or five Scorsese's are because we were we did this at the end of the Oppenheimer podcast and me and Matt and Sam went over like our top four or five mm -hmm. Nolan movies and so I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say because you know there's lists on the internet there's podcasts that have gone over it there's you, 60 or 73 that he's the director of yeah he's been making movies since I think Mean Streets was Jesus. one of the very first movies he made in 1973 so 1959 apparently it's a short yeah. Yeah. I think first like feature directorial debut was Mean Streets, I think. So but he's been making movies pretty much nonstop since 1959. Since yeah, so Vesuvius the 6th, I think. Wow. So I wanted to see from you guys like which ones have you seen and which are like your favorite. If you had to come up with like your top 4 or 5, what would you say? I've seen Taxi Driver, I've seen New York New York. Um, I've seen Raging Bull. Oh, he does a lot. Of, he does music videos. He yeah, he, Michael Jackson's bad as a yeah. Music he's video reject, he, he's directed a lot of shit. He's done documentaries. He's uh, done obviously, I've films. seen Goodfellas, and that's yeah. probably my number one movie for him. <laughs> what a fucking fantastic movie, dude! <laughs> um, Casino, another Can't, Casino top, top tier money. movie. It's money, dude. Um. Gangs of New York, one of my absolute favorite movies. I love that ever, movie. Bro. I love, I love, that, love that. It's so good. Another Leo role that that's, you're just like. That's, that's one of the first Leo and Scorsese collaborations, right there. Uh, the Aviator. I've seen that. I can't remember too much on it, but I've seen it. Um, the Departed. I've seen. 
Shutter Island, not That's, a fan. You don't like Shutter Island? I'm just not a fan. Oh, I'm a of big fan of, of Shutter Island. Actually, I love that movie. Um, Hugo was okay. Never did see Hugo. The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, <laughs> had nothing bad to what say a, about what that a great movie. movie. <laughs> uh, the Irishman again. Nothing. Nothing bad to say besides it's fucking long as balls. <laughs> <laughs> And Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, I'm sure I've seen some of these other ones. Like, I've watched on... Um, but, like, Silence. It doesn't ring I, I a bell. Want, I want to see Silence. That's one that came out just a few years ago with um, Andrew Garfield and Liam Neeson. And, oh, uh, okay. The guy that plays Kylo Ren. I always fucking forget his name. Um, Adam Driver. Adam Driver, yeah. But I, Dude, I, wanted, okay. to, I wanted to watch The that preview one. with Adam Driver... I'm like, that guy looks familiar, but I'm like, I don't know any old oh, dude that looks yeah. like that. And then they're like, with before, Adam Driver, and I'm like, oh, no wait, shit, that's... Before, before, the, before Killers of the Flower Moon, all those, the, whatever movie that was, it was, uh, it was the Ferrari movie. Ferrari. Oh, Ferrari. Dude, dude, Ferrari. Yeah. The yeah. new Michael dude, Mann I didn't realize that yeah. was Adam Driver, and I'm like, yeah. dude, he looks super fucking yeah. familiar. And I'm yeah. like, I can't, yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm like, ah... Uh, Adam Driver's just old. in all the fucking famous yeah, he movies is. right now. So, uh... Uh, to be honest, after looking at this list, I've only seen a handful. So obviously, Killers of Flower Moon, The Irishman, um, let's see, Wolf of Wall Street. I saw bits and pieces of Hugo, but I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. Shutter Island. Um, let's see. Yeah, <coughs> Casino. Dude, his mom movies are just too. It's, or mafia movies. Are mm-hmm. too good. He's probably the best to ever do it. For if you want a mob movie, like Taxi so. Driver, and that's about it. Those are the only ones I've seen. So okay, for me, I would honestly, I think you can't go wrong with those four that I just mentioned. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Killers of the Flower Moon, Wolf of Wall Street, Taxi Driver, and um, what did I just say? Goodfellas. Good. I haven't seen Goodfellas. You haven't honest. seen. Oh, you gotta watch Goodfellas. Yeah, okay, well, I that's have, your homework assignment for right. for now. You're you gonna, have, you have yeah. to watch so, Goodfellas. So, like two Christmases ago, I was out in Vegas at my aunt and uncle's house, and they have like every channel imaginable. And they're like, "Here, here's a TV." They're on their iPads. My mom and dad are like on their phone. My mom, uh, she's like sleeping. I went through The Irishman, Goodfellas, Casino, Jesus, uh, all in one like. This was just like when the whole was, weekend we were there. Oh, I was okay. like but back every time to back. I, I went through two back to back. I was like, dude, this guy's an animal. Dude, um, yeah. I just stay awake, and, and I just kept like, dude, I can watch movies nonstop. But I like kept going through them all, and my uncle goes, "How many of those did you buy?" And I was like, three. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Which ones?" And I was like, "Goodfellas." Um, two of the uh, Godfathers. Because okay. I went through all of those too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, did you just watch every mafia movie? And it's like, all the big ones. All, all like, the good ones, yeah. Y- you either had them on a channel or now you have them. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, whatever. And I'm like, did you not watch anything? He goes, no. I mean, half the time I'd turn around and he'd be like, yeah. sleeping. Oh, so, and I'm just like, fucking, it's coming, it's coming. It's, and I'm like, like, oh, there it is. Yeah, like these are some of the greatest movies of all oh. time. I, my unequivocal four favorite Martin Scorsese's are... The Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, uh, The Departed, and The Irishman. Okay. And I think Casino, if I probably had to do a, a fifth one, Casino, 
I honestly had not seen Casino for the longest time, and I had always so only good. seen Goodfellas, and Goodfellas is one of my all-time favorite movies. And I was like, yeah, I mean, Casino kind of seems like it's just like Goodfellas, but in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it, and I was like, dude, Goodfellas, or sorry, Casino is, it might not be as good as Goodfellas, but it's just a hair it's, shy. It's like, Casino close. is a fucking great movie. It's literally how Vegas was built. It's so good. Yeah. And it's it's De Niro and Pesci again yeah. with the Scorsese movie doing mob shit. Like, dude, what more could you ask for right. out of the movie? I the, I've seen like a, I've seen a few others. Like I watched like some of the early ones that he's known for, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. I'm not as high on those. They're also kind of both of those movies are kind of brutal. It's kind of like Killers of the Flower Moon. You're not really wanting to like rewatch mm-hmm. it. It's very fucked up and like dark and. I've seen The Aviator. That's one of his Leo collaborations. I'm not as high on The Aviator. Um, I've seen Mean Streets. That's like one of the very early, early ones. I don't remember a lot about it. It's not super memorable. So I think like those four that I just named. But like, I don't know. It's interesting to think, you know, like where's Killers of the Flower Moon going to land yeah. in terms of people's all-time like right. Scorsese list? Killers it's, of the Flower Moon's a really good movie. So. Yeah. Just going back to like our Oppenheimer episode, it it kind of does the same thing for me with like Christopher Nolan. It's such a good story, but you can't tell me you're going to put it above Wolf of Wall Street or right. Goodfellas right. or The Irishman or even Casino. So you're like, for what the story is, I think it's probably his best movie. But for something I'm going to rewatch, there's four or five, if not more, of his movies that I'll rewatch before I am like in a mental state to get depressed for three and a half hours (laughs) of a really dark story. So it's like, like with Chris, like Oppenheimer, am I going to watch the the dark Knight? the dark Knight rises 10 times before I go rewatch Oppenheimer? Probably Mm -hmm. just for the entertainment value. Yes. So it's the same thing with him. It's probably his best story as far as that kind of genre goes. But not his best movie that I'm gonna go rewatch based yeah, on rewatchability. I, I think that I completely agree. It's I, I always get I like to think about the distinction between if you're talking about anything, TV shows, books, movies, whatever it might be. To me, what I would consider to be the best is not necessarily the same list as like my favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Like my favorite movies aren't the same movies that I would say are the best movies I've ever seen. To your point, I think it's a very similar discussion with Oppenheimer this year from Christopher Nolan and Killers of the Flower Moon from Scorsese. You could make the argument, and I honestly might agree with it, that Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's best movie that yeah. he has made thus far. I think previous to that, I think Dunkirk was probably his best movie, and just in terms of like a totally objective, you know, point of view. They're not my favorites. Like, I would rather, to your point, rewatch Inception, Interstellar, The Dark Knight. Like, there's several others that I want. I, those are my favorites. I want to revisit those more. But I could, if I was making an objective list, say, yeah, you could, I, you're could. you not going to get any complaints out of me if you put Oppenheimer or Dunkirk above those other ones. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, Killers of the Flower Moon is a fucking bona fide masterpiece of a movie. That's a fucking fantastic movie. Right. Now, do I want to go rewatch Killers of the Flower Moon before I rewatch The Departed or The Wolf of Wall Street? No. Though I like those movies more. Right. Mm-hmm. But those are my favorites. That's not necessarily like what are his best movies. Sure. Which is why a lot of people like I kind of sought out Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and like Cape Fear and some of these earlier movies because people were like, "Well, these are some of his best movies." And I'm like, "I can see how you arrive at that conclusion when you see that because of like 
the technical achievement of making movies that are that good. But I'm much more inclined to rewatch The Departed than I am Taxi Driver or Raging Bull. It's just mm-hmm. I it's um it's a definitely a favorite of mine as opposed to those are kind of like these grueling you know, sort of experiences to watch. Whereas you can come away from it being like, that's a great movie that I don't really ever want to watch again. You know right. what I mean? It's like, I'm glad I watched it one time. Right. And now I'm But good. that one time yeah. was good enough. That's kind of how I feel about the movie that won Leo his Oscar, The Revenant. I'm like, I saw it once in theaters and I don't don't really have a huge see, desire to see that again. I, c- I could rewatch that more than Killers of Flower Moon. You there's just so? a little bit more action to it, yeah. and there's a little bit more... It's not as depressing. I mean, it's a dark That's fucking a, story. It's pretty dark and depressing. But it's not like, hey, we're killing off a bunch of the locals to get their oil rights. It's like, right. hey, just a bunch of it's white like a revenge dudes at a yeah. fucking fort in Montana or where, mm-hmm. Wyoming, and it's like, oh, they're just going to... Yeah, kill a white dude for revenge. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can get behind this. Yeah. You know? It's just when he lays in a fucking hole in the dirt for four hours, <laughs> you're just kind of like, dude. That is the one thing about that director in particular is like, and especially The Revenant, is like he loves to just linger on these shots. And you're like, he's like slow panning through the woods as the snow is falling. And you're mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, man. Like, let's and then all of a sudden, you see Leo sitting in the dirt, and then it's like thirteen days later, and it's the same fucking yeah. thing with more snow this yeah. time, though. And Leo hasn't moved, and then it's like thirty-three days later, and it's the same fucking thing. And you're like, we've been here for twenty-five. Yeah, minutes. it's like that. Uh, that movie is just basically like at least make like three a, hours of watching Leo just suffer and right. be miserable and yeah. cold. You know what I mean? Like, and then like, like ten minutes of him getting revenge, and you're right. like, ah, <laughs> like finally satisfaction. Finally. And then you're like, <laughs> so that's it, though? like. Right, delayed gratification. <laughs> yeah, have you seen The Revenant? I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a grueling yeah. watch. It's I mean, it's not as hard to watch. Like I said, it's not as depressing, but it's just fucking like you. You sit there and you're like, "Am I? Is it paused?" You're like, "No, the <laughs> snow's falling." Is this like, a still image? Oh no, it's still going. All right, is this one of those like you know pictures? You're like, "Oh, what? What am I watching?" And it's like, "Oh, it's a fucking picture. It's going to keep doing that <laughs> forever until we shut it off." And you're like, "Oh, oh. oh okay." And you're like, "Hmm." Maybe maybe something will change. And you're like, never fucking changes. And then you like get up, leave, go run some errands, you come back, you're like, it's still he's still in the fucking dirt. <laughs> it's still snowing. That's funny. Um do you guys have anything else, any other lasting thoughts on Killers of the Flower Moon that we didn't touch on? I feel like there's a lot to that movie that we probably didn't touch on, but I feel like we talked about all, all the just, stuff that I wanted to cover. I'll end with I wish that it was less of the like showing some of the murders and stuff like that and more of maybe show the murders but kind of speed it up and then get to like the trial part because that to me is more important than like the murders necessarily like obviously they go hand in hand but it's like show the murders and then show the whole trial show what the outcome of this behavior was because it was just a lot of bad behavior and then a guy reading off of a script for the outcome. So I would have preferred to see more of like the FBI, that whole like the outcome and the investigation into it than like I said, the ten times they showed him giving her insulin added up to thirty minutes and it's like may did we need to see it all ten times? No. Did she die from it? No. Did we get the point? I got the fucking point. If you didn't get the fucking point, you're not paying attention. It kind of seems like you actually might have been interested in the original version of that script that they. Yeah, I probably would have. It was like the FBI yeah. procedural investigation 
side. Like yeah, that that to me is the meat of it, right? We yeah. have the whole story and how dark it is, and it's and it's super fucked up. But I didn't need to see their wedding. I didn't right like. That to me is not important in the story. I don't need to see the wedding. I get his uncle's the bad guy. Like, obviously now, and it's all hindsight. I've seen it before, but it's like I would rather see from the end point. Give me the outcome of their actions. Like you can show the actions, but you let's you know, speed it up a little bit, and then show me the impact it had on them. Show me them living in a trailer. Show me them. Yeah. You know. You they had everything, and then they went to nothing. So show it. Yeah. Don't just uh, read it. I think, in I think that's an important piece of the discussion. Is that if this movie was directed by anyone other than Martin Scorsese, I think that's the version of the movie you would have gotten. From just, I'm not saying like a, a non-talented director, but just like a, a more run-of-the-mill kind of studio director that's just pumping out these. It would have been presented as a procedural crime right. drama and the there's FBI a start there's a middle there's an end and it would have played out more like true detective mm-hmm. or something like that you know it's it's a, a detective story that's unraveling this mystery and you get pieces of these right. horrible acts as they go along but because it's martin scorsese he's directing it as this like grand epic of the american west in the but 1920s you're telling me and out of a three and a half hour long movie you guys wouldn't agree that he could have put in 45 minutes of the whole like court scene and the outcome of that you're still sure. leaving yeah, two sure. hours and 45 minutes to build everything up yeah now give me 45 minutes of like this is the fucking impact of everything i just showed you yeah. one like and it doesn't feel like they did that it just was like bam. yeah no and, and absolutely that could have happened and i think to go back to the oppenheimer comparison Oppenheimer literally did that. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about during our Oppenheimer discussion, after the Trinity test, if that movie's made by any other writer director, the movie, the Trinity test is the climax of the movie, and the movie ends right. shortly or, after. Or they that. jump to them dropping the actual bombs. Yes. Yes. Which right. I actually read that they were heavily against showing that because they were like Oppenheimer didn't want them to be used. Exactly. He wanted them to yeah. be yeah. a deterrent, not an actual weapon. So they right. were, and that's why they went to the whole right. congressional hearing. And yeah. dude, I oh, Oppenheimer's so fucking. So dumb. yeah, well, what? But that's the comparison the I was making is like Nolan fit an entire hour into his three-hour-long movie to do. Here's everything that happened to these people right. after this big event in history. So I think you know, to your point. That could have absolutely been the same way that Killers of the Flower Moon goes, where there's this climactic point where there's more murders or more, more whatever, and then like the back half of the movie, 45 minutes to an hour, is all trial scene, and then them the getting outcome, divorced, right. and then what happens when William Hale and you know Ernest go off to prison, and then what happens when they get out? What happens to Molly after she remarries? Who's her new husband? Is she happy with him? Right. Or is he just another fucking but, white guy trying to get her mineral rights? All this kind of stuff, you probably. know? But Probably, yeah. But... I think because it's Scorsese, he takes this interesting entry point into how he's going to tell the story and then the ending, how he's going to do that ending. I thought it was fucking really clever. Mm-hmm. I had never seen that before. Like, yeah. And it's very jarring at first, too, when it cuts away from that scene where Ernest and like Molly walks away Am I in a different Ernest. movie now? You're like, what the fuck's going on? What am I watching? Because it looks like it's now like in the 60s or something. Right. And you're like, What? And there's like this radio show, and it's like, did a part Even of another 40s, movie get been stitched into this later. on accident or something? Right. And then you're like, oh, I see what he's doing here. Okay. Right. And okay. it did say true crime on the curve yeah. in the back. Yeah. I yeah. had never seen that before. I thought that was great. Yeah. I think just to wrap it all up, I I thought it was a, a really well executed movie. I, I, I mean, just the story as a whole. Now, 
to back Matt, your point, I, I would have liked to see kind of what we had just discussed of like, you know, just give me 30 to 45 minutes of what happens aftermath. Mm-hmm. But again, the way that he directed the ending was phenomenal. Yeah. Now, what I'm really curious, obviously, because I'm halfway through the book, I'm curious to see how the ending goes here. Because yeah. like what we t- discussed earlier, I've noticed that in the book, it's broken down into three parts. And after watching the movie, I got like two and a half of those parts. Right. So I'm curious to see what the rest of the book tells me. So that way I can kind of go back and say, oh, he, you know, he did a really good job of adding this or he forgot this main part in the movie or, you know, this is how the ending in the book went. It matches or it does, excuse me, doesn't match with the ending of the movie at all. I'm curious to see what the rest of the book fills out. But as far as a Scorsese movie that I've seen, I would, again, I've only seen a number of them, but I would rank this as a movie i would watch again for yeah, sure i yeah. would definitely watch this again i wouldn't go to the movie theater to watch it again no. but this is a watch at home again yeah i was gonna I, say maybe when it comes out on apple tv plus i'll revisit it yeah again. that way you can like pause it and go get snacks and go stretch to the right yeah. <laughs> right yeah but i did but i again my end thoughts were i thought this was a really well written and directed movie i thought it was a very appealing subject for me and my interests yeah again like what you were saying earlier it might not be everybody's interest to go see mm-hmm. this three and a half hour movie about Native Americans and murders, right? But to me, I'm interested yeah, in that it's kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, I, yeah, I'm. It gives. I give it a green light. Yeah. Well, I know you were a big fan right, right out of the jump. Like as soon as yeah. you left the theater, you're like, "That's a fucking good movie." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It well, is and, too. It's and a all my great all movie. my critiques are just things that I would rather see. I mean, right. I still love the movie. You know, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong about it. But I'm just saying. I think he could have done a little bit more, which I think would catch more people. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion on it. I could still watch it again and have zero complaints on the actual like movie itself. I'm just saying what I would rather see in a you know mm-hmm. yeah. from the from the story perspective than you know what we do see. So. Right. 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 So I think it's it's two thumbs up from everyone. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think any of us were like, yeah, movie fucking blows, dude. Yeah. No, I, I, I just say it blows sitting in a movie theater where you're trying to be like quiet and like get comfortable though, and you're kind of just like, and then you're just like, fuck, there's so many people around. Like, I did I just, get a little bit of that towards the very end where I was like, I'm not very comfortable yep. now. I kind of have to pee, and I'm kind of like, all right, like we. Need well, to- I was watching around, <laughs> and like the, the ladies sitting next to us, there was like they had blankets and snacks. They were they, they were, were they were they were, in they there were for booed the long up. Haul, yeah, I started yeah. to recline further and further, and at one point I was just like, and I was like, nope, got to keep the eyes open. Yeah. I started drifting. I was just like, it's so like well, not right about that two and a half hour mark to a lot of people were going to the bathroom too i think uh-huh. a lot of people were like fuck man i still got an yeah. hour Dude, this movie. i yep. pay so well on that water i would take like that big <laughs> of and i'm like just wet the palate and i'm like <sighs> i'm sh- i'm shocked that i drank a whole gatorade and did not have to pee the whole time yeah. i'm shocked that that happened my only complaint usually i do that and i have to pee like three times my only complaint about the actual movie was those seats were really comfortable but that fucking like table thing they had Every time I got up or like wanted to sit down, I was afraid I was gonna like slam into it and yeah. like make a lot of fucking noise. And I was mm-hmm. just like being super careful. And was like, that was one thing I noticed too. The way all of the tension is brought out in a lot of the scenes, 
no one in the movie really wanted to make a lot of noise. You no. could tell. Like mm-hmm. everyone was kind of like no us, loud probably, parts. where they were like, yeah, there's no loud like parts. The gunshots where you can be are like, like a muff. It's like a cap gun. If yes. you ever had those, it's yes. like, right. it's like right. a bang. But you're like that wasn't a real fucking. Yeah, gun. There's, there's no real loud explosion. There's where no. You can be like, oh, there's no bald now, on this. Now set. I'll go into my fuck. That's yeah. fucked up. <laughs> now I'll go into my fucking popcorn or my skittles. Right? Like no, it's just kind of quiet conversations. Mm-hmm. Again, not like a big. If you're gonna loud see it in theater, open all your shit. Yeah, open it up beforehand. Yeah, because people will hear you. Yeah. That's You're gonna be funny. that guy in the back, just yep, <laughs> squirgling. That's funny. Well, I think we, uh, I think we covered it, boys. Yeah, I mean, it's a three good. and a half hour long movie. We're gonna miss things, yeah. but again, it's not hard to miss a lot in that movie. Right. But I think this was a good discussion for people who have mm-hmm. seen the movie, and then, yeah, you know, if you listened and you haven't seen it yet, thanks for support. But uh, I would still go, go see it. I mean, probably go out and watch the movie. It's not when we say spoiler. I mean, if you've hung around this long, when we say spoiler alert, it's not like. We're just saying that because we don't want you to like be like, oh, I was really looking forward to it. But right. if you listen to it and you're like, oh, I kind of want... Because, again, we're yeah. not telling the full story. We're not giving everything yeah, away. Absolutely not. So you could go see the movie and be like, wow, those three guys are so full of shit that <laughs> I'm so glad I watched the movie. Or you're going to be like, wow, they actually gave like a good yeah. summary of what happened, and I'm glad I came and saw it so yeah. I could piece everything together. Right. So it's like... We're not spoiling things, but at the same time, we just want to let you know in case you want to see it before you listen to yeah, this talk. Yeah, exactly. So, right. If, right. If you've seen it, you've listened this far, hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully it helped us to supplement the movie. <laughs> time to go. Luna's if, ready. If you haven't watched it, hopefully this piqued your interest. I would say go out and watch it. Caleb's homework for the before the next time we do a podcast <laughs> go, is go to see Goodfellas. Oh, oh watch Goodfellas. Yes, we'll do a Goodfellas. Yeah. Dude, we should do an, uh, a Mafia podcast. I'm so down. <sighs> just best like Mafia movies. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I've been. I've been, I started listening to uh, Graham to Hancock give on like, Joe Rogan. That oh yeah. was a new episode today. Pretty he, his, his his episodes are so. Yeah, he's always in. For they're so good. Him and um, Randall something. Randall Carlson. Randall yeah, Cunningham yeah. is good. Or not? Is it Cunningham? Carlson, Carlson. I think the yeah. big big guy with yeah. the white beard. Um, yeah. but Forrest Gallant. Dude, oh yeah, he's, he's good too. too. I haven't heard that one. So yet. he's. I won't give too. But they're talking about the Amazon. Right oh now. yeah, pretty, love that. Love pretty that interesting. Love shit. that shit. Pretty we need to do an Amazon. Uh, that was one episode I was looking about. Is the All Amazon? Right. Mm-hmm. There's just so much shit we have no clue about. Yeah, that's fascinating. But All uh, right, yeah. well, I think we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. This has been a good discussion, Caleb. Thanks for yeah, coming. Yeah, on. Thanks again. Coming over. Thanks. Again. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode shortly. Yeah. Cool. Till next time, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in.